Hi, welcome to the Drive by Brian podcast. Let me your ears and listen to me and my guests as we drive around uncovering their personal stories. The saying goes, everyone and everything around is your teacher. So join me on this ride and let's see where it leads us. Right, Adam. Welcome to Drive by Brian. Hello, how you doing? Not too bad. I'm sure you've heard a couple of episodes. <laughs> I have indeed. And yeah, great to have you here. Thank you. Um, so where are we going to start? We're going to say your passion is, well, would I call it your passion? Uh, I think so. It's been a bit up and down whether it's a passion or not with the amount of pain in the arse it's been sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for, for want of a better word, yes. Okay, I was going to say, uh, when did it all start being a drummer? Uh, I think I was about 13. Wow. Um, I was at school and... Uh, Basically, they were saying, I was in maths class, if I remember rightly, and they were like, oh, yeah, if you take up drums, you get out of maths class. Oh, really? Yeah, so you go and have your music le- music lesson outside of maths class. So me and my mate took it up, so we got our maths. Oh, that's pretty cool, actually, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> and isn't that crazy? Like, and you were just, what, naturally good at it? Uh, no, it took me many years. I've, it took me years to to get to, do, to where I am now and where I'm comfortable playing. I'm still not massively comfortable about what what I do as a player but everyone seems to like it so yeah do you just all have the nerves or anything or yeah yeah weirdly it's a bit up and down really there's not always one uh, one show you get nervous for Um, there might be a really small show but loads of people you get nervous for or a really big show you've had a couple of beers and you're absolutely fine Um, completely swings in roundabouts or it's a massive show and there's only about 10 people there yeah. You know, you never know what's going to happen. So, um, yeah. So, y- yes and no, really. The nerves are always good, but you need to keep them in check, and that's why I tend to hit a bit harder because it actually gets out the nerves. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. You just kind of let out the pressure, sort of thing. Exactly. Um, so, when was the? What, how did you set up your first band, or how did you get together with a, with a group of mates? Or yeah. So, um, it was me and me and my mate that started the drums to get our maps. Mm. Um, we had a group of friends. Conveniently, one of them uh, played keyboard, one of them played guitar. Oh, wow. So the it was other... meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the other one took up singing and he couldn't sing. But it was cool. It was it was just us being 14, 15. Wow. Um, and then, but actually, one of my first times I played live, I uh, it was music arts at school. So I'd done a really terrible drum solo, I think. Right. Um <laughs> And then the band that my other mate who was a drummer was in what needed a bass player, so I played bass. Right. And so we'd done a cover song. Um, and then I also played guitar at that point as well. Yeah. And there was a really fit girl at school. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I said, do you want to do this song, like an acoustic uh, cover? Yeah. I think it was uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Disarm, okay. of Siamese Dream. Uh, and she said, yeah. And I was like, that's cool. So um, out of that music arts thing, I, I played on three three things. I'd done a drum solo, I played bass with my mates, and then I played acoustic guitar with this really fit chick. Oh, cool. <laughs> Pretty cool, <that's> it? <laughs> Well, I mean, what, what, how would you describe your type of the music that your band plays as of? The, the most current one now? The most current one? Um, yeah. uh, modern, say, modern day Black Sabbath, I would probably say. That's probably the best thing. Queens of Stone Age. Um, mm. They used the singer for Queens of Stone Age used to be in a band called Caius, so um, yeah, we sound quite a lot like them. 
so yeah kind of chilled out sort of it's called desert rock stoner okay. sort of music right um, but yeah chilled out Black Sabbath thingy sort of thing yeah okay so where, where do you normally sort of play what sort of sets where do you go uh, I've only done one gig with the uh, with the current band I'm in yeah. um, we played in London um, yeah I was, I was in a band with them for actually years yeah and uh, we split up probably 2005 we got together back together every decade really and then yeah I was doing nothing this year so we're um, no, in fact last year yeah. wasn't doing anything last year and then um, I just sort of said do you want to we'd written some songs before enough for an album right. hadn't, hadn't done anything with them so we were just like well do you want to scrub up those songs and um, get and, and do it, yeah get the band back together do an album we'll probably release that and then fall off the earth again and not do anything <laughs> no no you've got to stay positive <laughs> don't you I mean you, you've mentioned to me that you, you, you know you did a couple of tours yeah, uh, you mentioned Europe and you did Canada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me something about that. Um, this was with your last band, isn't it? Yeah, so I done Canada with the last band. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was basically the tour manager for that, which was trying to get five people with equipment over to a, a two-week tour of Canada, yeah. booking flights and hotels. And I guess when you're at the beginning stage, you don't really get a manager, do you? You just got to do everything. You got to do everything yourself, and especially yeah. if the rest of the band don't do much else yeah it's a bit of a pain so yeah like stupid things like trying to find a van that fits in all the equipment all our luggage yeah. and five guys you know it was an absolute mission just trying to find a van that was big enough to do it I mean you can find vans over here alright but weirdly right. in Canada you can either just buy um, big vans with three seats at the front yeah or just lorries or cars Oh, there, there's nothing no, in between, there's nothing in yeah. between where you have like a, a six-seater minibus with a little bit of space at the back. Oh, right. They just don't do them over there. So we had to. Um, luckily, they've got big enough cars. We got a, a Chevy, and it was a seven-seater that mm. actually the back seats come down. So that was the, uh, the, the yeah the in between. So, but yeah, so um, yeah, you got Canada. So that was a that was beautiful. That was really good. Yeah. And, um, Cold. <laughs> No, it was no. April. No, oh, fair so enough. <laughs> um, we thought it was. I bought extra winter jackets and everything, but no, yeah. it was. Um, yeah, all the all the snow was melting, but it was really nice. It didn't rain much. It was kind of um, spring sort of summer days, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, we done um, Vancouver Island or Victoria Island. Done two dates on that. So I got the ferry across there, then the ferry back. Done a show in Whistler. Yeah. So that was up in the mountain. That was that was cold. Um, and then came back down to Vancouver and then went into the Rockies uh, done a show in a little place called Kelowna which is actually a beautiful little town yeah. um, and then done a last show in Calgary and then flew home yeah so really I mean, nice obviously when you're playing gigs it's not like you know you're doing that all day I'm taking you're, you're actually having a holiday at the same time aren't you um, would you say uh, yes and no not, no not all the time um depends how long it is to the next show really um, right so uh, yeah the, the, what, what I was saying about the Kelowna show that was horrible because uh, we had to drive well I had to drive five, <laughs> five hours five and a half hours from Vancouver to Kelowna wow and then had to unload all our equipment and obviously we were, we were with two other bands yeah so you'd always try and help them out because they're actually supplying us with all the back line and everything like that yeah um unload there set up all the equipment sound check wait around 
play and then it was either a eight hour drive to Calgary the next day and we were on stage at half six the next day it was either an hour, eight hour drive or drive some of the way in between Kelowna and Calgary okay. um, that night so wow. so done five and a half hours to Kelowna I wish I stayed longer because it was such a nice little town Yeah. Um, and we played this little bar that just played metal music but it was a Mexican restaurant it was really cool okay. it was, they love their tacos in Canada which I didn't <laughs> I didn't believe they did but yeah oh, wow. um, so you think it's like way up there how yeah, with Mexico isn't exactly it? <laughs> yeah it was a really cool bar um, and so yeah so we played and as soon as we played we basically packed up the other two bands were still playing Yeah. We, I then drove three hours to a little place um, can't remember the name of it and we got there at about two in the morning, unloaded all our equipment from the van because we don't want to leave it. So you have to do that every night as well because you don't want to leave your equipment in the van because you'll get nicked. Yeah, it's a bit risky. Yeah, so that was at two in the morning. Then we had to be up for seven to then leave for eight or nine to drive five, six hours to Calgary. And we wanted to stop off at um, a place called Lake Louise, mm. um, which I'd been to before. And it's absolutely beautiful. It's a lake and it's just surrounded by mountains. Okay. Um, so we wanted to stop off there, a place called Banff. We wanted to stop at, but so uh, so yeah. Sounds like a proper schedule, like yeah. So some days were like that. Yeah. Um, other days were you, you've got a two-hour drive for the next place, and it's hunky dory. And then we done that with Calgary when we um, when we were in Whistler. We played Whistler, and then it was only a two-hour drive to Vancouver. I mean, what, what did you enjoy out of that? I mean, it just sounds like a lot of work. I'll take it. Um, Doing the actual gigs themselves must have been enjoyable. Just seeing like the crowd's reaction and everything. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It depends who you play with. It depends the venue. Depends your equipment. It depends wow. who turns up. <laughs> uh, so Whistler was loving Whistler, but it was a bit of an off season. So it was just coming to the end of the ski season, I believe. Right. And um, so it was pretty quiet. And the band that were on first was one of the um, snowboard reps, and they were just completely, yo, dude, man, like like those kind of guys yeah. and they brought all their mates which was really cool but they played forever they played for about an hour and they were the opening band and they weren't jeez and they, <laughs> I, di- I didn't particularly like them and neither did a few other people so there's nothing worse than spending all the time setting waiting up and, out, yeah. yeah and then you're just waiting for a, there's nothing worse than waiting for a bad band to finish which I'm pretty sure loads of people say about my band but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, imagine going to go and see a band and then sitting there knowing you don't like them but you have to sit through them all the way through Terrible, yeah. Do I don't, yeah. And then you're just waiting for your your moment to for you to go on stage and you to yeah, have your fun. Yeah, everyone's mood might have you know. Yeah. Down. It just ke- know, completely down, kills it. it. Yeah. Oh well. Wow. Definitely. I mean, like, let's take it over to this side of the world. I mean, Europe. Where's the most yeah. you know interesting place you've played in Europe? Um. There was. Uh, <laughs> we played. Um, uh, oh crap! Uh, Bremen. We played in Bremen in Germany. Yeah. And um, we turned up, and Bremen's a horrible place to drive around because it's got loads of trams, and you don't know if you're going down the right road you're allowed to drive down in a massive van, or if it's, you know, whether you're going to have a tram coming the other way. Yeah. And uh, so we stopped off there, and we knew where the venue was because we'd driven past it, but we didn't. We couldn't have anywhere to park. It's one of the, massive pains when you're trying to be in a band is just find somewhere to park to unload and um, so we we found a place and it was probably about 50 metres walk from the venue 
So we started to unload our equipment and all we could see around there was homeless people because we had to park up next to a big shelter, which is imagine like a, a two-story building that was just full of homeless people. And uh, and then as we got past there, so obviously we're wheeling our, our guitar yeah, cabs yeah, and yeah. all our equipment. Yeah. And then either side of the road was, um, it was really weird, kind of brick walls with a path the other side of them. And it had drug dealers on oh. either side of the road. Um, so we were like, every time, because we had to do about 12 trips to get our equipment from the van into the venue. Yeah. And uh, weirdly, we just started to nod to them as it was on our, about our fifth turn. And that, <laughs> to be fair, they were, they were actually all right. You know, you're just conducting business, aren't Exactly, they? <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't hassle us, we don't hassle you. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that was cool. And it was a, it was a really cool little venue, um, absolutely tiny. And uh, there was a weird guy in there, and he dressed in um, long long leather cloak uh, coat, a bit like Matrix. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking uh, Matrix. Yeah, yeah, and he had a, um, <coughs> a big uh, leather hat. Only spoke German, so we didn't understand a word he was saying. And every band that played, he kept on leaving stuff that he would pull out of his jacket and leave it on the floor. Mm. It like little posters of bands and little bits of like flour and stuff like that absolutely random we was like this is the weirdest place we've ever played but um it turned out to be one of the weirdest nights as well because we were <laughs> we were playing we were headlining and our singer was a bit mad he was a bit of a um yeah he goes oh, he's a bit manic sometimes right and he disappeared and we, we've always known the rule that, you know whatever happens you just carry on playing yeah just kind of uh, let him yeah but this yeah. place wasn't big so we we were um, playing and I could see Ben the guitarist I could see Tim the bass player but I couldn't see Colin and I was like where the hell is he yeah oh he's probably doing something stupid again I don't know where he is um, and then someone from the crowd just started waving that maybe we should stop and I was just okay. sort, sort of gesturing to um Ben and Tim whether we should or not so we did stop and uh, it transpired that he had basically um, twisted his kneecap oh crap so he'd done this on a couple of occasions before but only slightly it it slightly popped out but this time his kneecap was completely to the right hand side of where his knee should be was this during he was doing the show or yeah just then kind of walked off or yeah no go? so he was lying on the floor oh, holding right, his knee right because he'd slipped on his own beard <laughs> Oh, <laughs> jeez! And what you're telling me, you guys didn't notice? No, because he was behind my drum kit. He was in front of me. So oh I right, see so him. he just disappeared. He just disappeared. <laughs> to be fair, Ben and Tim just thought he was being an idiot and just carried on playing. Okay. So, um, so yeah, we stopped and we tried to move him, and he just started screaming. And we were like, uh, "Yeah, I think we need to call an ambulance." Wow. So we called an ambulance. They arrived and they said he needs. Um, Ketamine, he needs massive painkillers, therefore, we need paramedics. Right. So then paramedics were called and uh, they came in, ketted him up. Yeah. He basically um, screamed the house down as they got him onto the stretcher. And uh, Colin and Ben then went to the hospital because luckily the promoter's girlfriend worked at um, the hospital, which was just down the road. <laughs> so she was a nurse, so that, that was... Yeah, that it's was, like it was meant to be. Exactly. <laughs> really good luck. And then... Um, and then, so me and Tim, all the equipment was still set up, and we were like, we've got to get all our equipment back to our van. Yeah. Back past the drug dealers, and it's like 12 o'clock at night. So. That is like the most interesting like <laughs> turnout ever. Like, you couldn't have made it up, could you? No. So, uh, Jesus. So yeah, we then, um, me and Tim sort of 
uh, with the help of people that were in the pub and stuff like that, we all got it back in the van. And ironically, where we had parked, we were um, staying in a little place that was next door to it. It's a bit like a community centre. Mm. That's where they. Germany's really good for like housing people, um, right. like but touring bands. They will. They have a really good community of. Do you have this space available? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay, you can let bands stay here for the night, or they'll all club together and put on food for all the touring bands to come together. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Isn't yeah, it? it's really, really helpful. So much different from over here, and then um. Then yeah, so then we met Colin after that. He was on his crutches. Then then we went to a squat and um, they converted a squat into a bar. So it looked right. like a three-story like townhouse. Yeah. But but it was covered in scaffold, and you go in there and they got like pool tables. They put a makeshift bar in there. There's a massive fridge, just yeah. full of beers, and they were, it was fifty fifty euros and fifty cents for oh, a beer. For a beer, wow. So less than a euro, and they were big sort of one liter nice German beer. And, uh, sounds like you had a hell of a time that sounds yeah. pretty cool actually and then we drunk until 5 in the morning <laughs> and then had to uh, leave at 9 I think we got about 3 and a half hours sleep and we had to drive then 5 hours to Lipzig for the next show and Colin done the next show on crutches Cr- yeah <laughs> <laughs> just keep going isn't just it just keep really? on going yeah jeez um, what were you going to say well <laughs> I didn't expect a story like that but I was going to say it sounds like a lot a lot of fun when yeah. well when a story comes out of it at the end of the day yeah um I mean, let's take it back a bit forward now. In this day, well, with your current band now, yeah, the music you're going to put you're going to put out is it going to be? I don't know. You're going to do more venues, live stuff, or you're going to put it on? I don't know, Spotify, anything like that. Yeah, we'll probably just put it online. Um, it's so hard to get shows nowadays. There's 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 no money in it. Um, a lot a lot of promoters will expect you to bring a crowd the only time you can really get a show if you're a new band yeah. is if you know people um, it, that's never changed and uh, so what you got to do most of the promoting yourself for, for, um, for a venue to kind of take you on or, y- you need to make the contacts with the promoters the promoters right. are the, or you need to find out who's putting on the show yeah. um, that, that's the biggest thing because you'll have all these other bands that are, have twice as many followers so is it all online basically now yeah oh yeah. wow yeah I was going to actually come to that and just say how's it changed over the years because I take it back in the day you kind of you know played your stuff people then you get kind of a following real following like people actually yeah. like your stuff and wherever you're playing at they'll come and see you and now you've got obviously platforms like Spotify um, where I guess anyone can put out their music regardless of the fame yeah so th- I remember in early 2000s, late 90s, you know, we'd go round to the, the local venues in Wickham um, and stuff like that, the White Horse, and you'd, we'd give their demo tape because they would generally put on the bands. Right. Um, and then you'd have someone else maybe putting on other nights. But you'd, you'd try and build up your fan base by taking your tape down to places, mm-hmm. and you don't get that anymore. Or you go to, to gigs and you give your tape to other bands. So that is. Oh, right, okay. And then you try and hopefully know the people that then put on the shows in particular areas. But yeah, there was definitely, when the MySpace era sort of um, came about, there was definitely a. I wouldn't say a deluge of bad bands, but the trouble is, there were probably so many other bad bands out there already, but the trouble is, MySpace and everything like that now just gives everyone the platform to hear a bad band. 
Does yeah. that make sense? So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. In, in the nerve. Is it just it's a lot of noise, but then you have to try and filter out the noise and get the good stuff? Yeah, and I think that's the trouble with Spotify nowadays. Well, actually, not probably not an issue. But when you got all the downloading platforms, it's, it's yeah. great, you know. But the trouble is, it's trying to find the good stuff out of the amount of crap that's out there. Yeah. And it's well, what should I say? The crap that's out there, but the crap that's out there compared to your own taste, you know. Yeah. What do I like? So Spotify could recommend bands. I go. I don't like them at all. I can understand why you've recommended them. So it's an algorithm. And yeah, just exactly. Kind of seeing what sort of music you like. I mean, it kind of opens up um, people who don't normally listen to that type of music to kind of you know come aware of it and stuff like that. Yeah, because it's free and because yeah, it's accessible. And yeah, you don't need to you know get off your seat and go see these people live, which is yeah. a shame at the same time. Because exactly. It's a different experience. And and they don't need to go out and buy an album to listen to it, which is what you had to do. And then even if you didn't like the album, someone was still making money yeah. from that. But nowadays you can check out a band on YouTube or wherever, decide you don't like them. But there's but there's no money being in, exchanged any in any of that. Um, so what yeah, what we're doing with the current band is that you know we'll probably spend about two and a half grand doing this album. Right. Because the bands are always the last to get the money. Oh, okay. So what? No matter what it is, if you put a show in London, the venue, the promoter gets the money first. The bands get the profit out of the top. Of I it. had no idea because yeah. my, my image in my head, I was like, you know, you're raking it in. I'm sure that you know the the venue was taking a, a small cut. No. So um, prime example, I, I know some bands that have been in the UK charts and. Uh, they're selling out venues in London yeah. and I know friends that said you're coming out for a beer this weekend no I'm, I'm absolutely skint mate why are you skint uh, because yeah. um, because I know you're selling out venues but <laughs> we've got the tour bus to pay for so if you get a nice tour bus yeah, um, that costs however much so you need to pay them you've got all the promotion so whether you do the promotion for the tour whether you pay a promoter to do it you've then got your manager they take a cut yeah. you then got your merchandise so you need to step up your, all your money for your merchandise so yeah. if you manage to sell that then that's good you can take some money from that back from that yeah Yeah, and then um, then you've got the sound engineer so if you want your own sound engineer on tour then you've got to take them if you want your own lighting guy you need to pay for him wow if, if need... there's a whole cost that's involved yeah. isn't it yeah. so what you'll find is that no matter what you do there was always someone that needs to get paid and will get paid before you as a band, even though it's the band that's actually making everyone the money. So on the flip side then, you should be, if you get big enough on Spotify, you've cut out all those middlemen, or is it, does it no. not? No, it doesn't work like that, because you can, it's a bit like it being Instagram famous, it doesn't yeah. mean you can translate that into cash. No, no, no. So you, can, place, yeah. so you can have... You could be really big on Spotify, yeah. but all your listeners are in Indonesia. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to do? You're just going to go there every weekend and make your money do that? Nah. And, and are they going to buy you your money? That's 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 a fair point. Too, yeah. yeah. So it's, when um when I with the band that toured Europe, you know, we, we had loads of we sent CDs off to Las Vegas and Germany, and wow. and we were like, this is really cool, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's cost us a fortune to send those to places. And then waiting and, for the return. Yeah, and, and how are we going to um, play to those people? Yes, that's true. Yeah, so just because you... Interesting how the future is going to turn out, really, in terms of music industry, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think there needs to be a big change in the record industry. Right. Mainly from investment, but the trouble is all the labels are losing money as well because of Spotify and everything. Because they, they because they don't now generate all the money from album sales, mm-hmm. what they will try and do is I've heard something about like it's like a hundred degree off uh, record deal. So basically, a label will then own 
all of the rights for that artist. So when when you look back at the Rolling Stones or whoever, even back to the nineties and eighties, yeah, they would basically just take a cut of your album, yeah, and that'll yeah. be it. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, because if you're giving away all your music for free on Spotify and wherever, yeah, where do the labels make the money? So then they go, okay, we'll sign you. We'll pay fifty, a hundred grand to do an album because it's still the studios haven't reduced how much they're charging to record an album. So that still stays the same. That still stays right? the same. So, you know, if you go to Abbey Road or something, that's that's 50 grand a day, 20 yeah, grand a day. Yeah. And you've got these people that, that want their money. So you've got a label that go, okay, we'll front this up. However, we will now want a cut of all your touring, of all your merch, of all your branding. So they have to get a return somewhere. They have to get a return somewhere for funding out the cash. Otherwise, that artist A won't be able to do an album unless they've got... 20 grand a day to go and record where they want to do or you just do it in your own bedroom but then it might sound like utter crap crap yeah because I understand when I'm yeah. learning about sounds now so you're doing <laughs> this podcast isn't it yeah um, I'm going to just kind of go about you personally yeah. a little bit away from music I know it's obviously in the office you very well dressed you're the only <laughs> person who used to come in a suit every day full blown suit yeah and on dress down day, you wouldn't think you're the same person. So, what's with the identity? I mean, which which side are you? I um, I used to be quite slack when I was growing up. You know, I didn't really care. Yeah. Um, I think it's just basically working in London. Okay. Um, being you got to dress up, do you? Yeah. Well, you kind of feel a bit scummy if you don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're if you're walking around Canary Wharf in can... in not nice clothes. Yes. And you got these. You know, everyone else is dressing up and everyone's wearing suited and booted and I was just like, I kinda need to do the kinda need to do the same. But yeah. to be fair, London helped me afford that. Before that, you know, I was wasn't that well flushed, but then <laughs> I got a job in London, so I I done alright. So kinda I was like, your game up, did you? Exactly, exactly. So um yeah, it's just making that extra effort. And then when it comes to the weekend that's what I don't like that sounds really harsh, I don't like going to weddings, but I do like going to weddings, but right. it, I, it felt like I was just going to work again because I'd go to <laughs> I'd go to a wedding and exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it's right, six days a week rather than five. Nah, and you and you lo- love your trainers as well, don't you? Yeah. Are you a collector <laughs> at least? I wouldn't say a collector. Yeah. I, I just get a lot of what I like. Okay. So yeah, I got a few. I think I, I counted them. I've got I think I got forty eight pairs. Okay, that's decent. That's really yeah. Good, so all ranging from. Jordans to Maxes to to your Adidas. I'm not, I'm not into Yeezys or anything like that. No, um, no. But yeah, my wife does have got me. I think I've got more trainers in there. So. <laughs> That's great. Um, also, I was just going to say, obviously, the podcast is called Drive by Brighton. Um, what's driving you to still, you know, keep doing this band thing? Are you just enjoying it, and do you see a future for it? In I don't know, you're never going to stop. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever stop. I've always wanted to be one of those people that when um when I come up for retirement, I want to be the the old dude playing drums at a wedding, you know, when everyone's yeah. having their dinner and stuff like yeah, that. It's like yeah. an old blues band or something. Like that. Oh, nice. I kind of like that idea. Um, That's a cool vision, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's more the fact that I think I've given up the drums a couple of times just for a part time, mm. and uh, there's nothing worse than sitting at home for five nights, six nights a week on my ass watching Telly TV. Me a little bit of Netflix and then yeah <laughs> so it just gets me out of the house really I suppose you're cr- being creative and just you know exactly it's a bit of a it's a nice hobby I'd, I'd say definitely yep uh, as we pull back here and sort of thing um, do you have any questions for me at all um, 
the question that I don't prep anyone for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you aiming to interview anyone ah. big or Do you know what? Um, prominent? Who would I like to interview? Um, wow, that's a very good question, actually. That's achievable. That's achievable. Do you know what? I've yeah. got my aim very high. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I, I don't really, I can't think of a name that of anyone I would, you know, interview, I would like to interview. But yeah, anybody and everybody. Yes, it sounds like you're going from so many different uh, sort of topics. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's really good. So I'm interested to listen to it. Perfect, yeah. Uh, do you want to plug anything? The name of your band, just in case this goes out in the future. And nah. No, nah, you don't want to plug it? <laughs> <laughs> cool, Adam. Just so you go, oh, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, I still don't like it. <laughs> nah. <laughs> cool. Anyway, thank you, Adam. Thank you. That was beautiful. No Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Ciao.